So, Harry, mm-hmm. if you were to enter a beauty pageant... Sure, yes, if. If, yeah, if, yeah. Uh, and it got to the talent portion, mm-hmm. and you had to do a special dance to impress yeah. the whole crowd. What song would you dance to, and why? Okay. Um, okay, I can think of three things. Okay. Uh, you Sexy Thing, Hot Chocolate. I mean, it's a classic, yeah, it's a staple. Yeah. Very kind of strippery, I can imagine the whole kind of full Monty routine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bombastic. Okay, interesting. Could be questionable, culturally appropriative maybe. I don't know. How are you going to make it not weird to be the white guy dancing with Mr. Bombastic? Like? <laughs> sure, I'll, maybe I'll find a way. Maybe I just won't sure. win. Yeah. I think that I'm most likely going to go with my humps. Black By the black piece. Piece. Yeah. You do have lovely lady lumps, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's not wrong. Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really how, how bad could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the bug set. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Little Miss Sunshine. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from the listeners with the ideas they have posted on Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most chance of winning a beauty pageant. I mean, sure, yeah. With that song choice, it's a, it's a, it's a goddamn winner. You've, you've really set your stall out. I, I can imagine it, yeah. I can picture it, yeah. And joining me as always, the host who's won the most £10 prizes for coming second place in the Beyond the Box at Beauty Pageant, John Lucas. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would take second <laughs> place in a regular beauty contest. But <laughs> you have to add in the Beyond the Box set. So in a field of two, yeah, <laughs> I come second every time. Okay. Okay. I always find a way to slip a little insult in there somehow. Indeed. So, Little Miss Sunshine. Yes, this was one of my picks. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Thank very, you. Thank very, God. Very, very good pick. I enjoyed this very much. Thank Christ for that, because uh, we've had a bit of a ropey run recently, but uh, yeah, I'm glad we turned it around. That's good, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny because, obviously, last time I got a pick, I did You Can Count On Me, mm-hmm. and that obviously did not go so well. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want to stick on a topic for long, but I think that You Can Count On Me, for for me, it was pitched as a dramedy, yeah. And this is my this is the best dramedy that I can think. of. I was going to say because like, they're not dissimilar, got, yeah. Yeah, it's got drama. Mm. It's got great comedy throughout. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, it's just a really good film. I agree. No, I agree. It it, it is so well paced as well. It's very well paced, and I think the, the cast really elevates. I think. Yeah. Do you think they should have an Oscar for best ensemble? Oh yeah, yeah, God. Like, because this is a classic example for me of a film where. You couldn't point at one person and say they're the reason this film is great. You know, mm, it's yeah. although actually Alan Arkin, who played the granddad, did win an Oscar. So you know, for this, yeah, he did, yeah, for this, right. yeah, best supporting, obviously, but mm. yeah, and Abigail Breslin, the little girl, was nominated as well for best supporting actress, but did not nice. win. Nice. Um, but yeah, this is the kind of film where you could just be like, there's no one standout, but everyone is perfectly cast. Mm. Like, there's no, there's not a weak link in this bunch. Everyone yeah. is perfectly cast and is mm. like firing on all cylinders. So yeah, it is a great cast. Had you seen this before? Yeah, a long time ago. Mm. I didn't remember much of it. I just remembered uh, Paul Dano's big scene. That's, mm. that's that's all I remember from it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, not the most memorable not, scene. No, that, like, not, 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 not to say anything bad about it. It's but a good like, scene, but it's not the scene. No, it's not. So I don't know why that's the one that I remembered. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a dramatic high point. Did you have a moment before? Oh, maybe I'm colorblind. I've never noticed it in 15 <laughs> years. Like, No. 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 <laughs> You'll never be a fighter pilot now, Harry. 
Oh, well, I know. Well, I, I mean, that's the reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, should we move into a plot summary of that, I guess? Go for it. Okay. So, Little Miss Sunshine, released 2005, I think. 2006 on IMDb. 2005 or 6. That, okay, yeah. 6, yeah. That, Ish, whatever. That basic era, yeah. Uh, it is very much an ensemble film. Mm. It's, it was a little kind of indie film that could, like, it obviously has big, pretty big stars in it, but... Mm-hmm. It was definitely like a low low to mid-budget film that famously did very, very well on the festival circuit, mm-hmm. sold for a bunch of money to a studio, and then made loads of money and won loads of Oscars and was a big mm-hmm. success. So we opened the film with little Olive Hoover, mm-hmm. uh, who was played by Abigail Breslin in one of her first ever film roles, and what an introduction. Yeah. A really great child star performance. Mm. Like just She's fantastic. We open with her, and she is this little eight-year-old girl, this cute little eight-year-old girl, <laughs> who is obsessed with beauty pageants. Mm-hmm. Like she loves them and she dreams of being a beauty queen. Mm-hmm. And so we see she watches the same VHS of Miss California winning every year. And it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. So she, she's got dreams of being a, a, in a beauty pageant herself one day. Her father is Richard Hoover, who is played by Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Who we last saw in, um, as good as it gets. Yes. Yes. Uh, interesting. In, in that he plays the depressed gay and in yeah. this he's the guy who doesn't really like the depressed gay. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Greg Kinnear plays Olive's father, Richard, who is a wannabe life coach. He's obsessed with selling this, like, he calls it the nine-step program. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that he's written a book what is about it? it. Well, it's obviously, like, a clearly a cheap knockoff of the 12-step program, which is a very famous self-help right. program. Okay. Yeah, the, the 12-step program is a really famous American self-help thing mm-hmm. uh, for getting over addictions and making your life better kind of thing. And right, sure. clearly, I think mean, that's part of the humor is that it's clearly just a cheap knockoff and it's never going to go anywhere and he's sunk all his money into it but he's obsessed with this program and he wants to make it big as a life coach mm-hmm. and it's clear from the beginning that it's not happening for him he's mm-hmm. doing this lecture in front of like five people in a little in a little yeah. classroom i love the way that they framed it because like yeah. they, you see him doing the lecture but you don't see the audience initially yeah. and like you know there's a spotlight on him he's standing in front of this uh this projector screen and it's going really well and he finishes and he 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 acts it really well. He acts yeah. as though he's doing it to a crowd of like 5,000 people. Exactly. He's got the unearned confidence. Yeah. yeah. And it like, it looks amazing and you're expecting like loads of applause and there's no applause. And then suddenly like three people start clapping, the lights go up and there's like four people in the room or something like that. And it's yeah. like, oh, this is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not going well for him, but no. yeah, this, this opening montage does a great job of very quickly establishing all of the characters. So mm-hmm. that's him. So he, he's not got a job. We find out very quickly in the film. He, he does, he's not working because he's sinking all his time and money into this self-help program and trying mm. to make it big. Um, and so he's actually put all of the family's savings into this. And the only one who's working is his wife, Cheryl, yeah. who is played by Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. And she's really the glue that holds the whole family together. Mm. Like you asked me before we started recording, you were like making your notes and you're like, what was Tony Collette's thing in this film? I was like, well, she doesn't really have a thing. Mm. She's playing the straight man in many ways. Like yeah. the, she's the, the centered, level-headed very good mom you know yeah that's her role basically yeah and at the beginning of the film she receives a call that her brother has attempted suicide mm-hmm. so it does open on a slightly downsy note mm, yeah not, absolutely uh, yeah that brother is called frank and he's played by steve carell mm-hmm. who at the time wasn't very famous uh this is just i think he just started filming the office and all right uh i think 40 year old virgin and this came out basically within 12 months of each other so it was the truman show was he in the Truman Show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was in the Truman Show? Uh, I don't know, but he got a, he, he he was the sequel. You're thinking of Bruce Almighty. 
Oh, sorry. Yes, I am. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, when was Bruce Almighty? I was going to say, what was I in the Truman Show? Um, I don't know. Probably about the same time. I feel like Bruce Almighty, the original, was about 2005 as well. Maybe a yeah. little bit earlier. Like he'd done some stuff. He was in Anchorman, mm. but he wasn't like a star. Sure. Because they, they didn't want... The thing is, they weren't sure whether they wanted him in the role because they thought he wasn't famous enough. And obviously, it all worked mm. out very well for him. So, yeah. I'd say he's the most famous now. That's the thing. Well, by the time... <laughs> the, when the film was filming, he was like a nobody. Yeah. By the time it came out, I think 40-year-old Virgin and the office had both taken off. And then he was like, oh, suddenly we have the most famous person that... In the cast. Yeah. What luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's great luck. <laughs> works really well. Similar thing to uh, Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Like they filmed that and then it got delayed loads. And then Chris Hemsworth was cast as Thor and had a Thor film come out. It was in Avengers and then Cabin in the Woods came out. And they're like, it's a small budget horror film, but it's got an Avenger in it. We need to re- re-edit this trailer right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make him look at the star. Yeah. They kind of, I think they regretted killing him off so quickly in the sure, film. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, he plays Frank, who is a gay philosophy scholar mm-hmm. who has, um, yeah, obviously attempted to take his own life. So Cheryl takes him home uh, and the, she's been told that she can't leave him on his own. He, obviously, he can't be around sharp objects, which yeah. are, <laughs> I don't know if people really say that. In no, this I, no, I don't know. And it's weird. Like all this is played kind of for jokes mm. at the same time, like because all these conversations are happening like inappropriately right in front of him and yeah and that makes it funny yeah absolutely and that happens a lot in this film you'll yeah. have like very serious moments punctuated by moments of complete absurdity but yeah, yeah. he's clearly very very depressed mm-hmm. and she takes him home to stay with her for a little while mm. and when they get home he is introduced to his nephew Dwayne, mm-hmm. who is played by paul dano yeah because they're because he can't be on his own she's asked him to bunk him with her, his nephew Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul... I like how everybody gets paired off in this. It is. They're, they're all in their nice little groups, aren't they? You've yeah. got Oliver and it, the Grandpa. It works and... really well. It does. It really does. Yeah. It really helps the dynamics of the characters to be explored a little bit. Mm. Yeah. It's very well done like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Paul Dano plays Dwayne, who is also, again, one of the first things he ever did. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now been in lots of things. But he is kind of just, in many ways, he's your standard grumpy teenager who just hates <laughs> the world, literally hates everybody, yeah. as he points out at one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he is also quite unusual because he has taken a vow of silence mm-hmm. and has not spoken a word in nine months. Yeah. And never understood why. I loved it. Yeah. I, well, but, I, I never got it. I think it's supposed to be because he's, they say he's because he's obsessed with the philosopher Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't know Nietzsche particularly well, but I think maybe there's a thing where Nietzsche talk either took a vow of silence or wrote something about the value of silence or something like so it's like he's made a philosophical discussion in this very pretentious teenage kind of way <laughs> to just never speak mm-hmm. and he's held to it for nine months and not said a word yeah which is the kind of stupid shit teenagers do like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's an extreme example but you know wait dinner wait you don't talk anymore why not? You can talk, you just choose not to. Is that Nietzsche? You don't speak because of Friedrich Nietzsche. Far out. But the idea of it is that he has taken this vow of silence because he's determined to become a to join the armed forces and to become a fighter pilot. Mm. And until he achieves that goal, he's not going to speak. So it's like his entire body and mind is focused purely on mm-hmm. achieving his goal of becoming a fighter pilot. And we see yeah. he do, he's doing lots of exercises and stuff. And yeah, basically that's his obsession. 
so he is bunked in with Steve Carell. And finally, there is Greg Kinnear's father, Edwin, played by Alan Arkin, who's the grandpa. He's just great. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he is. Talk about, considering, spoiler alert, he's not in the movie for as much as you'd think. No. He really does kind of run away with it in many ways. And mm. you forget how small his part actually is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a classic best supporting actor, you know, yeah. win. Because it's like someone who doesn't have a lot of screen time, but completely dominates the film just by being brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah. He's fantastic. It was a great... Great Oscar win, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so he is also living with the family, has been for some time, because he's been recently kicked out of his care home for snorting heroin. <laughs> great. It's really, he's great. And as he says later in the film, when he's asked about why he takes drugs, he says, he says to Dwayne, actually to Paul Dano, he says, don't, don't do what I'm doing, but at your age, you're crazy to get into drugs. Yeah. At my age, you're crazy not to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great philosophy. It I is a good I'll, philosophy. I love yeah. it. Mm, yeah. Why the hell not? Mm-hmm. What happened at Sunset Manor? Frank, don't encourage him. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I paid my money. They took my money. I should be able to do what the fuck I want. You started snorting heroin. You started snorting heroin? I'm old. Well, this stuff will kill you. What am I, an idiot? And don't you start taking that shit. When you're young, you're crazy to do that stuff. What about you? What about me? I'm old. When you get old, you're crazy not to do it. Yes, so that's the family dynamic. So they all get together and they all sit down for a for dinner one night mm. and this dinner is a great way again it's a great way to kind of introduce the, the dynamics because this dinner scene it's like a one almost like a one shot and it goes on so long it goes on for like 15 minutes yeah it's, but it's really good and you don't yeah. you don't really feel it because it's really establishing character and you know tone and all that kind yeah of and stuff. Like i say that it's long but it doesn't like you say it doesn't feel like a long scene and the minute that it finishes they're in the van yeah and it's like okay this film's 15 minutes in and they're in the van already like that is snappy yeah this film wastes no time which is another mm. reason it's really good it, it's i think it's about an hour and 40 maybe something like that yeah it, it really doesn't there's no points when you're like oh move on like it, yeah. it really zips along nicely mm. it's beautifully paced so mm-hmm. yeah yeah if only uh Zack snyder was aware of this, this well we'll this, get to this, that this, yeah. this thing called editing indeed yeah <laughs> <laughs> tune into patreon for our review of uh, <laughs> Zack snyder's justice league coming soon yeah as always, we try and make try and make it shorter than the actual film, but we made no promises this week. No, indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing anything until three a.m., right? <laughs> so they all sit down for this family dinner, mm-hmm. and Olive notices that Steve Carell is wearing bandages around his wrists, yeah, like from his suicide attempt, yeah. And in that very innocent eight-year-old way, well, she also, she also clocks that they picked him up in hospital. I think. Yeah, well, clearly, yeah, she's clearly aware that it's not usual for him to be staying with them as well. Yeah. But ultimately, it's the, it's the bandages, and she asks, like, mm-hmm. how did he hurt himself? Mm-hmm. And it's obviously an uncomfortable moment, but mm-hmm. Tony Collette's character is, says she's very pro-honesty. So she's like, if you're comfortable, then tell the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the way this conversation went Like at this mm-hmm. point when, you know, she's not like, oh, I think that she should know. It was like, no, 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 Steve Carell, if you're, if you're it's happy. It's your choice, yeah. 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 That's what I mean. Like, I feel like Tony Collette's, as much as she's not, not got the most, like, you know, showy role, mm-hmm. her character is obviously very, like, emotionally intelligent. And, like, mm-hmm. I think, I mean... Greg Kinnear is the complete opposite. <laughs> complete opposite. Yeah, but yeah, like some of the things that she does, you wouldn't necessarily agree with all of them. Like, le- like later on in the film, when it's like when Olive is going to be in the beauty pageant, and you might mm-hmm. think, why is Tony Collette letting her daughter put herself in this mm-hmm. humiliating position? But mm-hmm. she, the point she makes at the time is, we need to let Olive be Olive, and this is what she wants to do, and I'm not telling her to do it, and I'm not, mm-hmm. and I'm going to sit down and say, look, if you don't want to do this, we can walk away right now. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do it. I'm going to support you. Yeah. And that's obviously her whole attitude as a parent. She's like, 
my kids can do whatever they want as long mm-hmm. as you know and i'm going to support them and mm-hmm. i'm not going to shield them from the world and that you know i'm not going to lie to them or anything so it's no. yeah so she's like look to steve carell if you don't mind telling her go ahead and tell her i'm mm-hmm. all out honesty so then that's when steve carell tells olive like I, the reason i hurt my arms actually it, i didn't have an accident i tried to kill myself mm-hmm. and the reason i did that is that i fell in love with a student mm-hmm. at my college a male student because he's gay uh, and then he lost his job because obviously he didn't take it very well. Mm-hmm. And that's why. And like Olive is totally like, accepts it. It's kind of fine, you know, in that kind of eight-year-old way. She's mm-hmm. kind of like, that's silly, you know. Yeah. She, yeah she, she she's very innocent. Yeah. But it's not like harmful for us to hear. Yeah. Uh, but Greg can she, 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 she laughs at him being gay. She thinks it's silly he tried to kill himself. Yeah. And then she pretty much moves on. Yeah, because she's a kid and that's <laughs> what kids do. Like yeah. they're very strong. You know, they, they accept things as you yeah. tell them. But yeah, Greg Kinnear is very uncomfortable with this conversation. Yeah. And he's like, this is not an appropriate conversation for an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, he's the one who turns the whole conversation and into makes like, it uncomfortable, a, yeah. like a ball of stress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's all on him. It's great. Well, that's what he does, yeah, that, yeah. throughout the film. Yeah, but he really doesn't like this conversation at all. And he, he, then he says to Olive, your uncle is a loser because only losers give up. Only losers try to kill themselves. Like, he's mm-hmm. so horrible. And you can set, you can really sense that the rest of the family, including his wife, which doesn't bode well, mm. very much resents it. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's... He's just being the worst and they're yeah. all just like rolling their eyes and like acknowledging it. Like at mm-hmm. one point, Steve Carell says, how can you even hand, how, how can you stand this? Like mm-hmm. living with this guy, like. And we constantly, it's my, I think it's my favorite part of the film, just mm-hmm. ongoing. Yeah. We constantly cut to Paul Dano giving the best reactions to all of it. Mm. So many eye rolls. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing because Paul Dano has no lines until like the last half hour. Yeah. But he's very present in his facial expressions yeah yeah so i mean there are no weak links everyone no, in the cast all. is perfect yeah mm. i actually really enjoyed watching tony collette's facial expressions throughout the whole film like mm-hmm. in scenes when she wasn't because there's not a lot of scenes when she's leading the conversation but like there's loads of bits in the car when different people are arguing and you can always tell even if she has no lines you can always tell whose side she's on mm, yeah, <laughs> she's always yeah. making a face that you can tell like what she's thinking anyway it's great <laughs> yeah like when the grandpa's being really silly. You can tell that she has a real soft spot for the grandpa, like even mm-hmm. though he's very inappropriate. And, and like when Steve Carell's making fun of her husband, you can tell she's totally on her brother's side and not her husband's side. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really do gel very well as a cast. So yeah, yeah. anyway. So. I like that the, the grandpa, in that you say that he's very inappropriate and mm-hmm. he is, but it's not in any of the in any of the ways that make you feel horrible. No, no, he's a he's, gra- he's, he's He's just, he's, he, he's into drugs and he's really enjoying life and like, yeah. He's all right. No, he's very lovable. Like, yeah. And his relationship with Olive is genuinely lovely and heartwarming. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but he's just saying things that are obviously that Greg Kinnear is finding very inappropriate because he's so straight-laced. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the family obviously think he's great. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so they're having this very uncomfortable dinner. Greg Kinnear is not handling any of this particularly well. But then they get a phone call from Cheryl's sister mm. who brings news that Olive has actually qualified for the Little Miss Sunshine Beauty pageant mm-hmm. in California. Yeah. Uh, because the, I think she came second in the contest originally, but the, there's some throwaway line, like, oh, I think something to do with diet pills. Like this little, yeah. this little eight-year-old girl's clearly been like caught with drugs or something like that. It's great. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so Olive has now won the contest and that means she's qualified for the, I guess the regional Little Miss Sunshine mm-hmm. finals, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, she hears this, Olive hears this, and she gets so adorably excited. She's just like running around the house. It's great. Like, <laughs> just running and screaming and packing and just, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Hello. Lots of people have, we'll, we'll have a drinking game, I'm sure, for best runs. Like <laughs> yes. Steve Carell is top best run, but Olive's little run around the house did tickle me a lot as well. Yeah. It's very yeah, yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> 
So she's made the finals of Little Miss Sunshine, but the problem is it's in California mm. and the, the family are based in New Mexico, which is two states over. Mm-hmm. And they can't afford to fly out because mm-hmm. obviously they put all the money into Greg Kinnear's doomed life coaching business or, you know, self-help yeah. business. So they can't afford to fly, which means, drum roll please, we've got a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it becomes a road trip movie. Yeah. And so like, there's basically a reason why they all need to come. So mm. obviously Steve Carell can't be left on his own. Yeah. Um, Grandad, same? Grandad wants to go because he is the one who's been training Olive. Right. Because sure, they yeah. have that special bond. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, Greg Kinnear, he's like, what, going to go and make a sale or something to Brian Cranston? No, Greg Kinnear has to go because Tony Collette can't drive a stick. Ah, got so it. It did get a little bit convoluted the reasons why they all had to go yeah tony collette i guess she's going because you know she wants to go she's the mom daughter, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. um and then paul dano he's just the only one who wouldn't be going yeah and, and and he's i guess he's not quite of that age where you're gonna leave him leave him on his own for a week well this is the thing yeah i found i think because paul dano when he filmed this he was 21 but he was playing 15 right yeah but i found that watching that i was like why can't he just stay on his own? Yeah he's, yeah. he's reading old enough to stay on his own. Yeah. And when I was 15, I was, I stayed, I had weekends on my own. Mm-hmm. Like that might just be me. But yeah. But it, it was, it was clearly a bit. My, contra- my parents went on holiday for two weeks. They just left, literally <laughs> they left me on my own for two weeks. It was great. How old were you? I was probably about eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still not come back no oh that's sad <laughs> but yes it was a bit contrived but you know that's the film they have to get there somehow so it's like mm-hmm. yeah for, for reasons they all have to take the trip yeah so they with varying degrees of reluctance they all agree to join <laughs> olive on the trip mm-hmm. to the little miss sunshine pageant mm-hmm. and they all pile into the yellow van kind mm-hmm. of minibus that they own which is just such a clapped out old banger but it's great though. It's great. I mean, it it's doesn't a, it's look like character. a top or banger though. It looks like from the outside, it looks great. Mm-hmm. I would love one of those. I'm sure you would. I could. I can see you in that car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then basically the middle part of the movie is just a road trip movie with lots of small little moments in which the characters obviously kind of butt heads against each other and have moments of arguments and growth. So mm-hmm. I think the first one after they hit the road. Well, they're all, they're on the road, and Grandpa is immediately being incredibly inappropriate. This is when he says to Paul Dano about mm-hmm. the drugs, and he's also telling him, "Look, fuck a lot of women, yeah, yeah fuck a lot of women." <laughs> like, um, I have no reason to lie to you, you know. And again, Greg Kinnear is like is not having any of it, but everyone else is finding it very, very funny. Yeah, and little well, it is funny. It it's is hilarious. hilarious. Of course, it's a great, it's a, it's great dialogue. Yeah. yeah. How did this film do in the screenplay? Award? It won best screenplay, yeah. Great. Yeah, it won best screenplay and it won Alan Ar- and he, Alan Arkin, won mm-hmm. best supporting actor. So, right. yeah, those two very much go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that there's a whole great rumor about that. The granddad talks about how he got kicked out of the old people's home and how he actually loved the old people's home because there's more women than men and he was getting fucked with all, he was fucking all the old ladies all the time. <laughs> it was, it's just great. <laughs> uh, then they stop for breakfast at a, like a roadside diner mm-hmm. and olive orders some ice cream and then greg kinnear it's so horrible <laughs> if i have one criticism of this movie is that greg kinnear is so horrible mm-hmm. in certain scenes that even though the film at the end kind of redeem tries to redeem him at the end i'm still like no you're still mm-hmm. a horrible person yeah he never quite redeemed him for me because he's just so awful to his yeah. little girl like, yeah yeah this scene is it's painful you know it, it's the hardest scene in the film to watch like sure. it's, it's got it's got some great moments of comedy but mm basically greg kinnear he's having this like so they all they order everything she orders her ice cream 
and then he just basically introduces fat shaming to her. Yeah, exactly. Like to like for the first time, like she doesn't. Like currently, she doesn't seem to think of herself as fat. She thinks that she is absolutely going to win this beauty pageant. But like we all know that a girl who's not paper thin mm-hmm. isn't going to win a beauty pageant. Yeah. And like everybody knows it, but they're all just kind of going along with it because she's she's living. Yeah, her they're humouring it. Yeah, yeah. It's it and it's going to be great. And even if she doesn't win, she's going to have competed, and you know she'll know that it's not for her as opposed to you know being told. Exactly. Um, yeah, he's introducing all of these traumas that are clearly going to affect her for like the rest of. It's so hard. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, you just can like, see let, her be, the, let her be a little girl yeah, for a bit you longer. Can absolutely see all of the cogs wearing and all the all the damage he's doing. Not yeah. intent, he's not like a monster, but no, just, no, no. All the damage he's doing to in these moments where he says to her. I think that in his head, he's trying to prepare her for losing the beauty pageant. Absolutely, yeah. That's that. That's what he's trying. He thinks he's doing good because he's doing that, but really, he's introducing the fact that she shouldn't eat ice cream if she if if she wants to be really thin. Yeah. Well, and, I don't think it's even that he's trying to like let her down gently about the fact that he thinks she's going to lose. I think he wants her to win, mm. and he's yeah putting horrible pressure on her and introducing like say things that she's never had any insecurities about before mm-hmm. into her mind. And it's just, again, you can see all the other characters just like staring daggers at him. Yeah. Just like this. They're so angry at him in this moment, <laughs> justifiably so. But it does yeah. end on a lovely little note when the rest of the family just like fully as a massive, like fuck you to him. They're just mm. like, well, they just really, they, they really encourage her to eat the ice yeah, cream. Yeah. They're all like, and, well, and, if and, you and, can't, and then she does. And she like, she throws it all to one side and just like, no, I'm going to eat my ice cream. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sweet. But the way they yeah. all just start eating the ice cream themselves and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're not enjoying this ice cream. Olive. it's so gorgeous. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it is lovely. Like, yeah. yeah. It really pulls it back from a, mm-hmm. a quite a dark place mm-hmm. in that scene. Olive, can I tell you a little something about ice cream? Well, ice cream is made from cream which comes from cow's milk, and cream has a lot of fat in it. Richard. What? She's going to find out anyway, remember? What? Find out what? Well, when you eat ice cream, the fat in the ice cream becomes fat in your body. Richard, I swear to God. It's true. What? What's wrong? Nothing. I mean, nothing's wrong. So if you eat a lot of ice cream, you might become fat, and if you don't, you're going to stay nice and skinny, sweetie. Olive, Richard is an idiot. I like a woman with meat on her bones. I don't... Uh, why is everyone so upset? No, no one's upset, honey. I, I just want you to understand. It's okay to be skinny, and it's okay to be fat if that's what you want to be. Whatever you want, it's okay. Okay, but Olive, let me ask you this. Those women in Miss America, are they skinny or are they fat? Honey? Well, they're skinny, I guess. Yeah. Guess they don't eat a lot of ice cream. Okay. Coffee? So that happens. The van very quickly breaks down as well. Yeah. Very quickly. It, a classic for any road trip. Of course. You can't have a road trip where the car just runs perfectly. There's no movie. Mm-hmm. So it very quickly starts to fall apart. Uh, and they, something happens to it. And it means that they... The, 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 cl- the clutch breaks. Yeah. So this, see, this part of the movie, I think somewhat I didn't appreciate to its fullest degree because mm-hmm. watching it this time, I realized I have, I'm, I'm 35 years old and I have literally <laughs> no concept for how gears work. <laughs> no, you do I not. I do, do not know how gears work in a car. <laughs> so they were just saying words. I understood the basic premise that the car can't slow down. Mm-hmm once it's got started and they need to give it a push to get started. But mm-hmm. beyond that, 
I have no idea what was wrong with that yeah. car <laughs> or how the gears work in any car. Okay. Well, you know, whenever I stole the car. Yeah. Frequently. Yeah. Yeah. You know it well. Mm-hmm. Well, if I didn't have a clutch, then you, you literally wouldn't be able to get past stalling. Essentially. If the, what if is the, stalling though? Uh, well, sta- stalling is. <laughs> you don't know either. <laughs> no, I Busted. know. No, I know. I'm just trying to, just, just trying to think of if, if there's a, a quick and easy way How to, to dumb this it. down to John level. Yeah, yeah <laughs> okay, or, or, sure. or do I just go off on one for half an hour? <laughs> no, no, this is not the mechanics <laughs> podcast. Dumb it down. <laughs> I'm Olive. Explain it to Olive. <laughs> so I put, I put my foot down on the pedal. Yeah. And that engages the clutch. Or, or, or no, that disengages the clutch from the engine. So the engine is spinning. Yeah. The clutch comes towards, comes towards the, the engine. What is the clutch? The clutch comes towards the engine. And as it engages with this spinning bit of the engine, sure, it sure. turns some gears, which turn the wheels. Okay. And cars have like five or six gears uh-huh. of, let's just say, various different sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not exactly how it is, but I'm just dumbing it down. Yeah, sure. Okay, I can take that. Yeah. Um, but if the engine is revving too fast for the gears or too slow for the gears then the car will stall. Oh, because it the gear stick doesn't have time to get into the position in the where the gears are moving. Yeah, basically. It's like the engine's going too fast for the car to engage with it, so it just kind of goes, no, it just stops. Okay. It, it, it breaks, essentially. Okay. Um, it doesn't break. It just turns off with a bit of a bump. So you kind of need to engage it slowly, if that makes sense. You need to engage the, engage the engine slowly, even though it's already spinning really fast. Okay, so, so is it... You need to be moving up a gear to move up in speed. Yes. So the fastest speed will be at the highest gear. Yes. But you can't start there. You need to start at the lowest one and ease the car in. Yes. Okay. And you and you need to ease the car into into each gear as well, including the first gear. Okay. You, you need to ease the car into that, and that's where you use the pedal, the clutch pedal, um, or else the car will stall if you don't do that. Okay. But if that's if that's not working, just think of it as that pedal's not working then you can't ease it into a gear at all, so you can't start the car. Okay. So you, you can't get you can't get the car moving unless the car's already moving. I see. So this is for, the... For example, it's rolling down a hill or somebody's pushing it. Yeah. And then you could start it in first, um, or in some cars, you could even start it in second. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you don't need to use the clutch very much, kind of. Okay, well... I mean, I think... that, that, that technically, that's a very bad explanation, but have I... Yeah, yeah, somewhat, Got somewhat. Like, well, I, I don't entirely it. understand, but for this purposes of this film, what it means is that they need to, <laughs> they need to start the car with a push yeah. and they need to push it and they need to start and they can't slow down once they start. Mm-hmm. And that means that they need to jump into the car while it's moving Yeah, in order to take off. They can't just stop and let people board. Yeah. So there's lots of very funny scenes of them pushing the car and then running and like one by one jumping into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the first instance of Steve Carell's hilarious run, which uh, is a bit of a running joke in this mm-hmm. film. But we'll get to that in drinking games, I'm sure. Uh, there's another scene where they stop at like a 7-Eleven mm-hmm. and Grandpa asks Steve Carell to buy him some porn magazines. Mm-hmm. So Steve Carell goes in and buys some, you know, tits magazine or something. I don't know. Jugs. Jugs, something like that. Yeah, Hooters, I don't yeah. know. Uh, he buys some very dirty porn, basically. Mm-hmm. But while he's at the counter, he has a mortifying run-in with the boy that he fell in love with mm-hmm. at college. Clearly, it, it's never said, but that's you clearly... Say, you, you, say, you say boy, it's a man. It's a man, the man, sorry, the man he fell <laughs> yeah. in love with, yeah. And it, it never says it, but that's clearly who it is. And and so this man, instead of uh, going out with Steve Carell, he 
who's gone out with Steve Carell's nemesis. Oh yes, the other greatest Proust scholar in the world. Yeah, yeah, who, who like who was the second best? Steve Carell being the best, yeah. but now this guy is he's the best, and he's like a celebrity. He's on magazines and yeah. everything. That was an element of this film that I thought was a bit generically Hollywood. Didn't yeah. it? like not not a huge complaint, but the fact that Steve Carell is not just a teacher; he's like the number one Proust scholar in the whole country, which they really wang yeah. on about. And I was yeah, like, they do. why does he need to be the, why can't he just be like a, a high school teacher, a professor, mm. a philosophy professor? Why does he need to be like a star in his field? Like, I guess so that we can see him looking at a magazine of like, this guy's doing the best. I guess, yeah, it sets up this other guy as being his nemesis, you're right. Yeah. So, Without actually introducing this other guy as a character. Yeah, that's right. So so Steve Carell runs into his former, well, not his former lover, the the man he was in love with mm-hmm. and he's obviously it's obviously very awkward and he's trying to save face but then mm-hmm. while he's trying to save face the guy behind the counter in the 7-eleven hands him his pile of porn mm-hmm. a very heterosexual porn mm-hmm. uh which is obviously mortifyingly embarrassing for him <laughs> very funny yeah so that happens to him not great and then shortly after that greg kinnear gets a phone call with news that his book deal has fallen through mm-hmm. it's not going to happen for him mm. Uh, and he's obviously completely devastated by this. It breaks him. But Tony Collette is furiously angry because yeah. she has, the entire family have poured all of their life savings into this. Like he told her that it was definitely going to happen. It was a done deal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, clearly they've already had quite serious marital problems. This is not like the first problem they've ever had. Yeah, You can very much tell this marriage is in trouble, but this is really like taking it over the edge and to a point where it may, it may be beyond saving. Mm-hmm. So they stop at a hotel for the night or a motel for the night and Olive bunks with her grandpa. Mm-hmm. They bunk together. And uh, Paul Dano bunks with Steve Carell and then Tony Collette and Greg Kinnear in a room. Yeah. And Tony Collette and Greg Kinnear have a horrible fight. And again, it becomes very clear that their marriage is all but over at this point. Like, mm-hmm. it's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Olive has this lovely, very sad little scene with grandpa where she asks him if he thinks she's pretty. Mm-hmm. And then she, this little girl, like, I get like amazing acting for someone mm. so young. Like she, she talks about how she's worried that her dad won't love her anymore if she doesn't win because dad doesn't love losers. Yeah. And it's just yeah. heartbreaking. You can it, see, it is, yeah. again, you can see the damage that he's inadvertently done to her with this terribly misguided parenting style he's got. Mm-hmm. And the granddad comes back with such a brilliant response, which mm. um, just becomes sort of the mantra for the film yeah. from, from here on out. And it may even be like his, his last bit of dialogue, I think. I think it might be, yeah. But he basically says, like, you're only a loser if you don't try. Yeah, exactly. Which is great. And so, like, she's going to go to this beauty pageant and she's going to try. Yeah. And for that reason, she's not going to be a loser. Even if she comes last, she's not a loser. Yeah. Which is the right way to, yeah, to build up her self-confidence rather than saying, if you lose, you're a failure. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. He should write a self-help book. Yeah. <laughs> He's better than his son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He can do it in one sentence. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Grandpa. Yeah. Am I pretty? Olive, you are the most beautiful girl in the whole world. You're just saying that? No, I'm not. I'm madly in love with you. And it's not because of your brains or your personality. It's because you're beautiful, inside and out. Grandpa? What? I don't want to be a loser. You're not a loser. Where'd you get the idea you're a loser? Because Dad hates losers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up a minute. You know what a loser is? A real loser is somebody that's so afraid of not winning 
They don't even try. Now you're trying, right? Yeah. Well, then you're not a loser. We're gonna have fun tomorrow, right? Yeah. We can tell them all to go to hell. So Olive and her grandpa have this lovely little scene. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Greg Kinnear, after having a terrible fight with Tony Collette, he drives off on a little scooter, to <laughs> hilariously small little scooter, yeah. to confront his agent, who's at some kind of hotel nearby for some reason. Yeah, uh, I forget and this why. This is Brian Cranston, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, cameo by Brian Cranston. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but it's to no avail. The book is dead, and Brian Cranston basically says, "Look, it's not going to happen. Nobody cares about you." This is, it's not even that the book is bad. You're just fundamentally a failure. It's like, it's not the, it's very harsh feedback, but maybe he needs to hear it. I don't know. But yeah, the book is dead. So he comes back and he's very dejected. And then the next morning, Olive comes into her parents' bedroom and we find out that actually, sadly, Grandpa Alan Arkin has died in the night, Mm -hmm. presumably because of his drug abuse. Maybe. probably didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. It's not clear, but yeah. Yeah. Um, He didn't seem to be in ill health before. Well, no, but you see him in the bathroom. You see he's in the bathroom of the hotel. He has heroin. So I think Mm -hmm. maybe he's accidentally overdosed or deliberately overdosed. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The movie does kind of draws a veil over it. But yeah. yeah. You'd hope he didn't do it on purpose because that's a horrible thing to do to little Olive who's already having a bad weekend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You'd hope it was an accident, but yeah. yeah. But the family take it remarkably well mm. like greg Kinnear gets a little bit emotional about it at one point nobody else really like it's not that they're not bothered mm. but nobody else seems to be like overwhelmingly sad by it at i all. feel like tony collette is very sad yeah 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 she she's is. probably has, has the hardest time of it and but know. everybody else is just like well it's just part of the adventure yeah true i mean i guess this is the kind of film where if it was you can count on me you'd have like half an hour of misery on this whereas this film is like <laughs> this film's like well let's not keep they don't yeah. want to sink into a, a mire of depression so yeah, <laughs> but yeah he, he's he dies they have to go to the hospital obviously mm-hmm. and they are told that they're not allowed to leave the body mm-hmm. And go to the pageant because the pageant is this afternoon. The pageant is this very afternoon, and yeah. they, they they're not allowed to leave because there's laws about leaving unattended mm-hmm. corpses, essentially. Yeah. Um. So they have to stay and wait for the coroner, who's going to be at least probably I think Mon- I think it's Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they say that because if it's a Friday or a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it's the weekend. They're going to have to just hang around in the hotel for a few days and wait for the coroner yeah. to arrive on Monday. And Greg Kinnear is determined not to do that. He realizes that his dad's like essentially last wish was for Ola to be in this pageant. And he's determined mm-hmm. not to let that not happen. Mm-hmm. So he convinces the rest of his family to help him to <laughs> steal grandpa's corpse. <laughs> and it takes very little persuasion as well. Oh, they're all well in. Yeah. They're, they're all very agreeable. <laughs> to this. It's great. Yeah. And this is high comedy. This is, yeah. High oh, it's, it's great. It, mm-hmm. it never, it never gets inappropriate. No, no, no. It never gets icky or anything like that. Like it's all, absolutely fine and it's hilarious and everybody's into it it really is hilarious yeah i mean he does seem to have left a very light corpse i'll say yeah. that <laughs> they're handling it as if it's like a balloon person you know yeah. like yeah and clean as well and very clean yeah yeah like bodies if they're not embalmed they leak yeah well, I-, I was thinking too it's a hot car he's in the boot <laughs> yeah. there's gonna be a stench he's gonna yeah. start decomposing very quickly so yes. i mean again do we want this to be the kind of movie that goes down that road? No, no. we don't. But in reality, that would be a much more bleak and upsetting mm-hmm. scenario. He would be yeah. rapidly decomposing in the back of that car and it would yeah. be very clear. But There'd be rigor mortis. There'd, there'd be, be all sorts, yeah. yeah. But they don't go with that. They just, but they no. do 
essentially like winch him out of the window and kind of hurl him into the boot of the van and then they're driving <laughs> along i mean also you never actually see his body no He's it's always, out, yeah. always wrapped in a sheet yeah so exactly. it's, it's just a dummy in a sheet like yeah that's, no that's, that's it. this is. movie knows when not to get too real it, it keeps yeah. itself you know it keeps things light mm-hmm. even in this darkest moment <laughs> so the family then they, they do a runner they escape from the hospital and they're driving and the van is continuing to fall apart you know it's just getting worse and worse the van is just a mess yeah and <laughs> this next bit is just so funny this bit is great so the, yeah at a certain point the the horn of the car breaks and yeah. it's just and this this actually set me off a little bit in like a bit of anxiety because i was like this is like i don't even drive but this is my worst nightmare oh yeah being on a motorway with a with a horn that is constantly honking and yeah. being unable to stop honking. Like I was thinking that it was just going to get super stressful for them in the van. Yeah. But it, it doesn't like, they just kind of accept it and move on with it. Like, well, you know what? After everything that's happened on this road trip, I'm not surprised. That's to be fair. If your father has died in the next room and you've stolen his corpse, I yeah. guess like this my kind of stress, second... my stress can only go so high. And exactly. Like, this is, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I can relate to that. Sometimes like, you know, in high pressure moments, I'm just like, well, pfft, Yep. I've peaked, so why not just, you know, enjoy the ride, which I feel like is where they're at at this point. So. Uh but yeah, so the the horn is going off incessantly on the motorway, and that leads to the It's the most pathetic it's a whimper of a horn, horn as yeah. well. Yeah, it, that makes it even funnier, yeah. yeah. Uh it's like that horn is Greg Kinnear's masculinity at that point. It's just like <laughs> Uh, but the, the horn does lead to them being pulled over by a police officer, mm-hmm. which is obviously not great when they've got a corpse in the back of the car. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's very stressful. Uh, the police officer played by Dean Norris, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Hank from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Do you know why there are so many Breaking... Well, two Breaking Bad cameos. No. Well, because it was filmed in Albuquerque, which is uh, where right. Breaking Bad was filmed. So they were just available, you know? Yeah. Because this would be around the they time... Of there. The, yeah, this would be around season one or two of Breaking Bad. So the actors probably would just what? like... No. 2005? Six. Breaking I, Bad's not that old. And I, I know that it's like, it, that it did finish like a fair while ago, but. I would no I would force it because why else would Brian Cranston and Dean Norris be in Albuquerque? I don't, I don't, I, I bet this is around the same time the first season was filmed. 2008, the first season of Breaking Bad came out. Oh, well, And this came out like two or three years earlier. Okay. Well, in that case, I have no idea why those two actors are both. Well, maybe, maybe they just lived there. Maybe they were just the most, literally the most available actors at that time. And also. At the start of Breaking Bad. But Brian Cranston was already an established movie. Well, not a movie I don't know star. what to tell you, John. Yeah, he, he'd been in Malcolm in the Middle for years. That wasn't showing Albuquerque, surely. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you, but it doesn't take three years to make a, to, uh, to make the first season okay, of well, a, I a low-budget show. Okay, I, I accept I was wrong. I really thought that must be why. that they. Um, <laughs> did you just do a little proud like shirt? Well, I had, I, I, had to, I had to adjust my hoodie, but also I took a van. Yes, I did. Just to show you were right, yeah. yeah. Um, fair enough. I really thought it was because that Breaking Bad must have been filming. But it's just, it's, just... it's just fun for, uh, you know, you to say like, you know, Harry, fun fact. Um... <laughs> Don't impersonate me, bitch. <laughs> That's not how I talk. Um, okay, well, I was wrong. I thought that was why. It must be a coincidence. But anyway, the police officer <laughs> is played by Dean Norris, yeah. a.k.a. Hank Schrader from yeah. Breaking Bad. And obviously he gets pulled over. And of course he demands to search the car. And it's like, oh no, he's going to find grandpa's corpse. There's well, no he, coming he, back from he, this. He, he doesn't actually. He pulls them over for the horn. Yeah. And Greg Kinnear, like, I think he has to get out of the, get out of the vehicle. And then I, th- I think he says something like, it's not illegal, you know? Yes. He, he, like he says something that like, and like gestures towards the boot, just like, it's not illegal. 
And he's got, yeah, Greg and, and Kinnear has no chill. He's got no poker face. He's yeah. terrible. He's the worst yeah. at this. Mm. And so then Dean Norris is like, okay, well, now I need to search your vehicle. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he does. He opens the boot and we're all like, oh my God, he's going to see the body. He's mm-hmm. going to notice that there's a body. And like, we see it and it's just... It's, Plainly it's, it, a body. It, it's yeah. a white sheet that's clearly covering a body and we know exactly what it is. So yeah. it just looks like that to us. But what we don't see is that the porn magazines are on top of it. Yeah. And so Dean Norris picks up the porn mags and then he's had this whole conversation about porn. Yeah. And he's really, he's like, mm, he's God. really into his porn. Yeah. Oh, I love the drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then in, as well as uh, grandpa's very boob heavy porn magazines, there's <laughs> uh, also uh, Steve Krill's pecs. Steve Krill has bought one for himself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's, there's also a gay magazine in there, Yeah. which, uh, I think Dean Norris is, is less impressed with, but yeah. uh, it cr- creates a, an awkward moment, mm-hmm. but he gives them back to Greg Canoe and he's like, on your way. One thing that I really like about this film, and I've got a drinking game for it, sure. is when it does homophobic jokes really well. It, well. I wouldn't say they're even homophobic jokes. They're, they're gay jokes, but they're not, this is this film is not homophobic at all. No, no, it, no, it, yeah, it's not, but like some of its characters are. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so Dean Norris in this moment, he sees that like, oh, Pex, oh, oh. And then just give him a look like, oh yeah. God, what are you, oh, I'm going to stand up, stay away from this. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's just kind of sort of disgusted by it, but it's just done in such a, such a great way that it is just hilarious. It and is. It's the natural progression of the scene. Like, how do we finish this scene? How do we get the Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. There's a punchline. He thinks yeah. he's gay. Now he's gone. Yeah. And the look that Greg Kinnear gives to Steve Carell as yeah. he's getting back into the car <laughs> is just the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny so. <laughs> anyway if he hadn't found that gay magazine he might have been less distracted he might have seen the body so yeah. maybe he should be thanking steve corral yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene it's very funny so yeah so they get away, they manage to escape from being arrested for the from being pulled over they, they hit the road again mm-hmm. and while they're driving they're on their way they're very close to little miss sunshine now they're mere hours away but while they're driving olive and Dwayne, the paul dano character mm-hmm. they've got like a magazine hopefully not one of the pawns, but they're, <laughs> they're doing like sight tests from the magazines, you yeah. know, you know, like magazines have little quizzes and games and stuff. They've got a mm-hmm. sight test quiz and they're testing each other's, you know, vision and stuff like that. And in the course of this, Dwayne accidentally discovers that he is colorblind. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a more contrived moment in this. I was like, would he really not have figured this out by now? Mm. I mean, I'm not colorblind, so I don't know how easy it is to not notice, but it seems like something you'd notice by now, especially if you like, wanted to be a soldier i think yeah if you if you wanted to to go and fly for the air force you'd probably find out these sorts of things like i reckon that when the air force are recruiting mm-hmm. for, for for pilots if like there's a very simple rule of you need to not be colorblind mm. and it's such an easy thing to test as well yeah like that would just be like right at the start just to rule everyone out yeah exactly yeah it'd be like yeah don't let people get their hopes up yeah but it, it, whatever you can let it go it's fine yeah yeah so yeah he discovers that he's colorblind and as steve carell not very um what's the word i'm looking for not very sympathetically as steve yeah. carell not very sympathetically says you can't fly if you're a, if you're colorblind mm. you can't be a pilot if you're colorblind yeah and paul dano has a complete meltdown paul dano who remember has not spoken a word yet in this movie he's purely mm-hmm. been a silent character mm-hmm. but obviously this moment causes him he's get he gets very upset he's having a mm-hmm. massive meltdown he's practically jumping out the car at, on the motorway he's like kicking mm-hmm. at the doors and so they, they pull over he jumps out he runs into the field and he yells out fuck and he just 
he has a complete meltdown mm-hmm. and he's just very upset he has this massive rant at the family like about how awful they all are you know he hates everybody he doesn't want to be here he just wants to be left alone mm-hmm. um and then he just sits down <laughs> I don't know why i'm finding that funny i know it's not a very funny <laughs> scene you monster it's just, this is like the saddest point of the movie but yeah but he, yeah he has this massive rant and then he kind of just collapses and he's just basically broken he's yeah. just completely heartbroken the mm-hmm. poor guy and no, none of them know what to do at all. And then another like lovely, sweet little moment. Like none of them have a clue how to help him. Mm-hmm. And then Olive just kind of walks up to him and like holds his hand, and and then he, he feels better. Like mm-hmm. he, or more that he like realizes that even though he's in a really bad place himself, he he doesn't want to let his sister down. So he's yeah. like he's like fine, I'll get back in the car. Yeah, like he can't achieve his dream, but, but he's she... not going to take it away from her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love their little uh, brother sister. It wasn't like. Because he's like a moody teen. You'd think he'd be like, oh, I hate my sister too. But mm. he actually, you can tell he really cares about her. Mm. And there's a little bit earlier on when the grandpa dies, when the mum is like really upset and he writes on his little notepad, go hug mum. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not going to do it, but he knows that that's what she needs. So That's the best. That is good. Yeah. <laughs> good big brother behavior. So, yeah. Yeah. I, love, I love the comedic timing when he's writing on a note and like everything, the whole scene stops and he's just writing like, what's he writing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. I know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he 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 pulls himself together and he gets back in the van and he apologizes. Now he's speaking again. For the rest of the film, he's going to speak. He's obviously broken his vow of silence and mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. So he apologizes for all the things he said and everyone forgives him and they, they, they hug it out and they carry on down the road. Mm-hmm. And they finally get to the Little Miss Sunshine Festival in the nick of time with literal minutes to spare. Mm. They have to drive through the speed. What are those things called? The uh, barriers? The, yeah, yeah, the speed barrier. He has, yeah. They have to drive through the speed barrier and they crash that and mm-hmm. it's a whole thing because the car can't slow down at all anymore. Mm-hmm. But they get there. Yeah, they didn't really mention that the, the brakes don't work anymore. No, it, that, that just, that just kind of happened, yeah. yeah. So they get to the Little Miss Sunshine Festival or Olive is registered to perform mm-hmm. and she gets They get chance. there at pretty much like three o'clock on the dark. Yeah, because there's it's, a little... It starts at three o'clock. Yeah, there's like a bitch, there's like your standard bitchy, you know, beauty queen Oh, you've skipped, you've skipped over, like... So, first of all, they're trying they're trying to get to this hotel. Mm. And obviously, this is before the days of everyone having sat-nav. Yeah. Um, so, they don't know which road they need to be on. They're on the road that's literally pointing at the hotel. Yeah. But then the road, it's it's a it's a freeway. Like, it's up on a bridge. It's yeah, it's like a flight sides over, yeah. on it. And then it just sort of curves around to the left. And the way that it curves around, and they're all just like, oh, my God, no, the hotel's going that way now. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just hilarious. It is very good. Yeah. And so, yeah, then it's basically... It's the pacing of a car chase mm-hmm. um, at this point, where they're just driving in all sorts of ways that they shouldn't be driving. Um, just drink for dangerous driving. Oh, hundred like, percent! Like, my yeah. goodness, very stressful. But yeah, and so they're just trying to get to the hotel on time, and they just kind of stop it. In they, they eventually get to the car park. They the van like pulls to a halt or something. Maybe it crashes. I don't know. And like, like they, I think Steve Carell tries to open the door. The door just falls off. It just, it literally like, falls yeah, off. Yeah, the, the van is done. The, yeah, that van's <laughs> not going any further. No. Did that, I feel like at the end they drive away and that door's just back on it. Yeah, it is. I feel like they never really address how they managed to get that door fixed. Uh, somebody did say something, but okay, fine. yeah, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, and then Steve Carell does, this is what you were building to, the best run of the film. Oh, that's his best run. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Um, I don't know, it's something about it that's just hilarious. I, I was going to save it for the drinking game, but yeah, Steve Carell's role in this film is fantastic. It's like he doesn't quite want to commit to it at any moment. Like, he's just kind of like, he's holding himself very straight. Yeah. And his arms are like very still. Yeah. But he's also running at a good speed and like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good run. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, 
seemingly for no reason because like he gets to the registration desk for the for, for the pageant mm-hmm. and then everybody else is behind him like two seconds later that is a good point yeah you never <laughs> see how they manage to keep up with him yeah. no. <laughs> maybe he's just running at like walking speed because he's so stiff i, I, know, I yeah. guess yeah, yeah maybe uh yeah but they get there anyway and yes the, the time has come for this this beauty pageant and it is quite something mm-hmm. well first of all olive manages to meet a real life beauty queen the I think one of the girls that she's watching at the very beginning of the film, like mm, yeah. an, an adult Miss California or Miss, I think she's Miss California. Yeah, she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and that's a really lovely scene where she queues up to get an autograph and then she asks, you can see her thinking, like Olive thinking for a second and she asks this question. She says, do you like ice cream? And Miss California's like, I love ice cream. And Olive's so happy to hear that. Like mm. it really makes her day. She's like, yeah. mom, mom, she eats ice cream. Like it's, it's so sweet. <laughs> that She really does pull your heartstrings, that little girl. Yeah, she does. Yeah, so she does that. She has a little bit of validation from Miss California, who seems lovely. Um, but then we get to the actual beauty pageant sequence, and it is hilariously horrifying <laughs> and horrifyingly hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, and apparently, all of the actresses who were playing the other contestants are real life beauty queen, like little beauty pageant contestants. Sure. So they're all, this is actually what they're like, and mm-hmm. it is. I feel like if you're ever in a position when you're spray tanning an eight year old. <laughs> <laughs> you need to like take a step back like as a parent or you yeah. know like, you need to take a step back and be like am i making good choices mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so deeply disturbing mm-hmm. yeah so it's, it's this horrifying like you know they're all incredibly inappropriately dressed they're mm-hmm. all like they all look very you know skimpily dressed in little bikinis and mm-hmm. you know it's uncomfortable to watch it really is but that's what the movie does so well because you're supposed yeah. to feel uncomfortable yeah uh the mc is this like varnished pedophile like it's just like <laughs> He's like bright, bright. He's like you know, fully varnished brown, just oil, and just mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> varnished pedophile. That's what he looks like. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, there's the Q and A section, which goes relatively smoothly for them. They're all all the little beauty queens are lined up, mm-hmm. and they're asked these little you know very soft, these like very easy soft serve questions. Mm-hmm. But um, Olive is asked something like, "Who's the reason that you like beauty pageants?" Whatever, and she says, "Oh, this is dedicated to my grandpa. He is." Mm-hmm he taught me the routine I'm going to do later and he's my best friend and mm-hmm. you know, he helped me to do this. And, and the, the MC who's like, like I said, very cheesy and like all smiles and all American. Yeah. Like, you know, he's also, like, oh, where's your grandpa now, little girl. And she goes, he's in the boot of our car. <laughs> 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 A great laugh line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to dedicate this to my grandpa who showed me these moves. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> is he here? Where's your grandpa right now? In the trunk of our car. Okay. Well, take it away, Olive. Yes, yeah, so then they go backstage to prepare for the like dance and talent portion of the mm-hmm. pageant. Meanwhile, uh, Steve Carell and Paul Dano, they've been kind of outside having a heart-to-heart for mm-hmm. a bit, but they come in now at this point and they witness the horror of the pageant <laughs> and you see them walk in and just walk immediately out again and they immediately clock this is a huge mistake yeah like this is not olive's world this is not our world we do not want her to be a st- we don't want her to be exposed to this mm-hmm. and so they go backstage and they say to tony Clark, like look she's not cut out for this mm. you cannot let her put, do this she's going to come last she's going to be humiliated they're going to laugh at her yeah and these people are freaks and we don't want them judging or, or you know, we don't want them judging her yeah she's better than this which they're making a good point. There's no, yeah, they're, they're, nobody's wrong in this moment. No, like, like Tony Collette's not wrong. They're not wrong. But, well, uh, yeah, like they all think that 
that the plan is that she's going to go out and try to and be win, yeah. at, like, like those other girls. Mm. Um, but little do they know that she's got a trick up her sleeve. She does, I, yeah. Well, I don't know what she thinks is going to happen. No, I, well, I, I don't think she has a plan. I, like, I think... I'm, I'm not sure if she's doing this to kind of stick it to them. No, I don't think she is. I think she's just, yeah, <clears throat> or if they, very or, or, or if like she genuinely thought that this was going to win the competition. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get into the weirdness of this being the routine that her grandpa taught her to do. Like, yeah. yeah. It's unclear, but it's, yeah. Ultimately, I think she's very innocent and this is just the routine she's been taught and she thinks this is how you win. But yeah, yeah. Paul Dano and Steve Carell just like, look, you can't let her go out there. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, Tony Collette's like, look, you've got to let her be herself. Mm. And But Tony Collette, to her credit, she does sit down with Olive and say, look, if you if you want, I know we've come all this way, but if you want to sit this out, we can turn around right now. You do not need to do this. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. Yeah. And she thinks about it, and she's like, "No, I want to do it. I want to yeah. do it for Grandpa." And I like that. No, yeah, she says that she wants to do it for Grandpa, and yeah. no one actually says the line that he said to her. But you can see that she's thinking it, just like if I don't try, then I'm a loser. Exactly. Yeah. She's obviously taken that very much to heart. Yeah. So, and the funny thing is, so that we get to the routine, and you see all the other girls, like when Olive does her routine, mm-hmm. it is hilariously inappropriate. Yeah. But it's also kind of the most appropriate. Yes, it really is. Because <laughs> it's like she's it's, she like she's wearing the most clothes. That's what I mean. And, and I get it that like she's doing a striptease, but even by the end of it, she's still wearing more clothes than everybody else put together. That's it. She's doing the like <laughs> she's doing like this very inappropriate, very aggressive striptease to what's the song? Is it I like big butts or is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. What is it? It's, what, 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 super super freak? Is it super, super freak? I think yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's one of those. Yeah, and it go, the song goes on way too. It goes long. on for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, she's doing this like dance to a song that's probably not suitable for an eight-year-old. Mm. And she is, it, it is like she's whipping her pants off and stuff. And you mm-hmm. you can see why it shocks people. But also, it is very much like an eight-year-old girl's idea of a striptease. Like she's yeah. not being sex, like quote-unquote sexy. You know, no. she's not like, because she doesn't have any concept. Whereas the other girls, even though they're not doing a sex sexy dance in the same way mm-hmm. because they're dressed up like 30-year-old women and they're spray tanned <laughs> and they're wearing bikini. And it... Mm it's way weirder yeah it's it really way is. Weir- like the olive is by far the most innocent and actually the most charming performance mm-hmm. but yeah obviously she goes out there all these other girls have done these really weird yeah just but very beauty pageanty yeah. things and she goes out and she's burst into this hilariously inappropriate like <laughs> striptease moment to mm-hmm. super freak by chic i think i think or by rick james i think it is yeah um everybody's horrified like the audience, the judges, they're all just like absolutely scandalized. They're like, get that girl off the stage. Yeah. And it's everyone's worst nightmare that she's going to be humiliated. But the fact the family, I think it's Greg Kinnear. Yeah, it's Greg Kinnear first, isn't it? Because it's his like redemption moment mm-hmm. where I think one of the judges is like, get your daughter off the stage right now. And he, he runs up and he tries to coax her off. But then he decides, no. And he starts dancing with her. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the family, Paul Dano and Steve Carell <laughs> and eventually Tony Collette all run up and they all just start dancing yeah. with olive and it's a lovely little family moment it's very sweet and yeah. they're, they're like defending her basically and then they all get kicked out of the pageant obviously <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> how it's supposed to work uh and then it's like hard cut to a, to a police station <laughs> which i really enjoyed <laughs> but i really wanted to know like for what i mean what I, get crime, that, I, I, I get that they're not being arrested no um, maybe for like breaking the barrier in the hotel i don't know yeah i, I, guess, Criminal that's damage. I guess that's the only thing they can be put away for but like I, I kind of wanted to see the call of of the pageant judge, like calling the police. Just like these people are, yeah, dancing on stage. I doubt their commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very that. But we see them in the 
either in the lobby or in the police station, it's not clear. But they get told that they'll be let off with a warning mm-hmm. if they promise to never enter another beauty contest in the states of California ever again. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they set off on the road home and it's like it's and the horn is still going <laughs> the horn is still going the, the van is not going to make it back and they've got many misadventures to come mm-hmm. but as a family they've healed and they're in a good place and they mm-hmm. love each other and it's a very feel-good ending yeah and that's where the credits roll yeah it's uh it's very it's it's, it's very good it's a very satisfying end it ends at just the right time it is it is mm-hmm. uh, absolutely uh now the first sequel idea that i came up with which was like immediately as it ended like oh they've got to drive all that way back. Yeah, in that so, van. Yeah. So that's another road trip right there. Like, what's going to really happen? It really is, yeah. But, you know, obviously all that carriage arcs have come to a natural conclusion, so there's not, yeah. not much to do there. But, uh, yeah, no, it was a good film. I'm really, glad you enjoyed it. I have really enjoyed it. Thank Christ. <laughs> <laughs> We've pulled it back from the precipice. Okay. Yeah. Good to hear. Shall we move on to drinking games? Yeah, sure. What have you got for me? So first I've got, uh, which I already mentioned actually, Drink Whenever Paul Dano gives a hilarious reaction. Yeah, his facial reactions, the, the rolling eyes, and the, yeah. the looks of general disgust are top notch. Yeah, and, and and I've also got Drink Whenever he writes down a hilarious, well, what turns out to be hilar- a hilarious joke. Yeah, because in the first two thirds when he's not speaking, he communicates purely by writing in his notepad. Mm-hmm. The best bit is definitely at the dinner table at the beginning when um, <laughs> Steve Carell asks him, oh, have you got any friends? And he writes down, I hate everybody. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Carell's like, what about your family? And he just pulls up his pad and underlines twice everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's, great. it's great. Yeah. But like, he still keeps doing it. I said later on when they walk into the beauty pad and then immediately, like, without even saying anything, they just walk out. Okay, yeah, just, like, yeah. Him and Steve Carell, like I said, the, the doubling in this film is really good. Him and mm. Steve Carell have a great little double act. Like, yeah. the depressed middle-aged man and the depressed 15-year-old boy. It's a mm. great pairing. So, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Drink every time grandpa drops an F-bomb. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the foul mouth grandpa he, he is just hilariously inappropriate at all times <laughs> and i really liked when they're in the car and he's i think he's given his speech about fucking underage girls mm. yeah you know, inappropriate uh, and but i think greg Kinnear says what about olive and then he's like oh she can't hear me she's listening to my music and then she takes the <laughs> headphones off and she's like what are you guys talking about and he goes politics and she goes oh that's okay. <laughs> it's good yeah and apparently they did have abigail breslin the actress was genuinely always made to wear headphones and listen to loud music also, in, she scene, couldn't hear the script. in scenes when there was swearing. Yeah, so, right. yeah, that's nice. yeah. <laughs> that is that's really cool. <laughs> well, what about, did she get to watch this film afterwards? She must have done, yeah. yeah. I'm sure at that point it was fine, but yeah, yeah in I the guess. filming they were very protective. Yeah. So yeah, like I also mentioned, drink for well, well-written homophobic jokes. Sure, yeah. Um, I think I laughed. The best kind of homophobic jokes. Yeah. <laughs> the well-written ones. Um, I laughed the hardest when uh, the grandpa called Steve Carell a fag rag. When was that? Oh, I think it was just when he was going to get the magazines or something. Oh, do you mean he was asking him to buy a fag rag? I don't think he called Steve Carell a fag rag. Because surely a fag rag would be a gay magazine. Oh, sure, yeah. Has that ruined the joke for you now? Did you think he was calling Steve Carell a fag rag? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe. maybe. I don't know what sense that would make, but sure. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I just find it hilarious. Okay. Well, you would. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> First racist films and homophobia. <laughs> it never ends with you. Uh, okay. On a Steve Carell tip, drink every time Steve Carell does his little run. Mm-hmm. It is adorable. It's yeah. very funny. Like when he's, when they're pushing the car in particular, but then at the end as well, when he's running into the pageant, it's great. We've yeah. talked about it already, but his, his little stiff back, little <laughs> hands to the side run. I've also got to drink whenever anybody jumps into the van. Yeah. 
So every now and then you take five drinks or something. Yeah. I love the moment. I think the first time when they have to stop the van and mm-hmm. they do the big run and it's a great moment. They're like, no man left behind. No yeah. man left behind. <laughs> and they get clearly a, a clear mild on the motorway. And then Paul Dana just writes on his pad, where's Olive? Yeah. Because <laughs> they've left it behind. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Drink every time you hear accordions on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Did you notice this soundtrack feels very French? Considering the movie is like pure Americana. <laughs> The soundtrack, it has, there's lots of accordions, I noticed. I think the music like that just makes it sound sort of like cutesy and yeah, indie and film festival. Which is what it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say this is the height of all those three things I just mentioned. 100%. This is a classic Sundance Film Festival movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. I did like the soundtrack. Um, drink for a new t-shirt. Sure. You know, just pull down those t-shirts. Yeah. They're very entertaining. They are good, yeah. Good, yeah. good slogan t-shirts, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of them. Drink every time Steve Carell mentions Proust, sure. as in the scholar. I'm, I'm the I'm the world's preeminent Proust oh, scholar. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like I say, it's that's a slightly heavy-handed bit of character development where he just has to constantly talk about how he's the best Proust scholar in all of America. But it's fine. It's all <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've also got drink whenever uh, drink whenever anybody talks about themselves. So that's kind of kind of the same there. But you've also got it for Greg Kinnear and his nine steps. Oh, things. sure. When people are obsessed with their own interests and yeah. yeah. Sure, I get that. Well, my last one is related to that, which is just drink every time Greg Kinnear is the worst. He <laughs> yeah. is, with all due respect to our American listeners, I feel like Greg Kinnear's character in this is the worst stereotypical elements of like Americans. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of real winners and losers, just just mm-hmm. just very like obnoxiously American, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's the he's not a nice character. I bet that kind of could vote for Donald Trump. You know, it's that kind of thing. You know. <laughs> I don't trust him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, last one I got is drink whenever something goes wrong for somebody. Well, that's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> drink when plot happens. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want everyone here to know that I am the preeminent true scholar in the United States. <laughs> Cool. So, well, before we start sequels, I do just want to let any of you listeners know, if you don't already, that me and John have a Patreon channel. Mm-hmm. Channel? Yeah, channel. Oh. It's a channel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we have a bonus show there. We do uh, film reviews. Mm-hmm. We're building up to an Oscars right now. There's a lot of hilariously fun films on there. We are plowing through those Oscar movies. Yeah. yeah. I've watched all but one of the best pictures so far. I've just okay. got the father left to watch. Right, yeah. <laughs> the best till that's last. gonna that's gonna really turn it around. I can tell. You know that's what? Gonna be the feel good le- film at, of the at least it's quick. Is it short? Yeah, it's like one hour thirty-seven or something. Oh, score! Yeah, okay. I know, right? It's great. Mm. I got more films to be like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got uh, film reviews there. And don't worry, we're not just doing Oscars. We got uh, we got the Snyder Cut coming out. Yeah, shortly. So, we're gonna yeah. record that after this, mm-hmm. into the early hours of the morning. And uh, I think this week Godzilla vs King Kong's coming out. Maybe, so, yeah. Um, is that not the one that's going to be the first one back in the cinemas? I mean, the cinemas aren't... The cinemas are dead, John. Let it go. No, well, no, but isn't wasn't that the first one that was going to be on April the 12th when the cinemas reopened? Uh, is that... I didn't know I that thought, was coming. I thought, I thought it was back... I thought it was on in like a week or so. Oh, well, that's, I don't know. I, well, I, if it's released internationally... Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if it was going to UK streaming sites. That's what I mean. Right, I see. Yeah. Don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you get that bonus show. You also get a 30-second advert slot on this main show where you mm-hmm. can talk about whatever you want. John will put a little ad- advert in after this. 
Also, once a month we do a Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. Should have one coming up soon. Yes, I will reach out and we'll find someone. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Patreon gets to choose film for us, um, for us to pitch sequels to on a main show. You can come and guest if you want to, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And all that is available at Patreon.com/slash Beyond the Box Set. Indeed. So, what does a receptionist do when the fire alarm goes off? I don't know. Call the fire brigade? I seriously hope that was a joke. That's what the fire alarm is for. Well, she's the one who asked what to do. I'm just guessing. Well, I think you'd have to be the one that makes sure everyone knows where the fire exits are and checks that everyone is out of the building. Like, we have the list of guests. It's not that hard. I just wait till it actually happens and we'll see if you find it's not that hard. What are you going to do if everyone goes off running in different directions before you check them off your list? Or someone sleeps through it. I highly doubt you can sleep through a fire alarm. I have. Sure. So what, we're just going to say they'll check off all the guests as they exit the building to make sure they're all out? Welcome to The Quids In is a new fictional podcast coming to all podcasting platforms weekly from September 10th, 2020. Learn more about the show by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com and clicking on Support Us. Right, now, moving on. So, what is your sequel then, Harry Jekyll? Okay, so, John Lucas... So I've not come up with the best title, but okay. we, we can workshop it. We can workshop, yeah. Um, it's called Little Miss Christmas. Little Miss Christmas, okay. It's a Christmas movie. Sure. So it's going to be a sequel 15 years later. Okay. How about Little Miss Snowflake? Sure. Yeah. It works, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Miss Festive? No, no, you, you already had it. Okay, fine. Carry on. Tell your story. So in the past 15 years, I'm going to do a little catch up. Okay. So you see where everybody is now. Uh-huh. Where, where they're all at. So Steve Carell. He has worked his way back to the top of his field. Okay, cool. He's back to being the number one Proust scholar in the United States. Yes. Uh, So he's now the number one, though nobody or nobody in his family actually knows what he does. Sure. That makes sense. Nobody understands. He explains it many times, but it's always boring. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Ross and Friends. He starts talking about dinosaurs. No one cares. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He's He's on the cover of magazines. Like he's a... He's a celebrity. He's a scientific Because you often see Proust scholars on the cover of magazines. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, now, Greg Kinnear, um, by the way, I've forgotten all the characters' names. It's Just go with the actors, it's fine. Yeah. So Greg Kinnear has taken advantage of this uh-huh. um, and of Steve Carell's fame and used Steve Carell's depression as a case study for his nine-step program. Oh, he's still flogging that nine-step program. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's worked. Oh, did Steve Carell follow the nine-step program himself? Yep. Or is- and, 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 and claims to be out of his depression. Okay. And so, yeah, his nine-step program, it works. It cured depression. Amazing. So um, he finally managed to sell it then? Yes, he has. And uh, it's it's made him very rich. Oh, great. Yeah, so they, yeah, it's made him very rich. They've done very well and they're quite successful now. So, um, yeah, Tony Collette's still with him. Okay. That's a um, miracle, but sure. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe maybe this is what turned it around. Sure. Okay. He's like him helping out her brother. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, they are. They seem to be in a better place at the end of the movie than they are at the beginning. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like, maybe they did survive, or maybe they got divorced. But either they way, got, either way, either way, yeah. they're back together now because okay, yeah. you know things things have gone well. But yeah, so she she's not really changed that much at all. I'm going to say that she's still all about her family. She's still um, the level-headed straight person in, the, in this comedy. Yeah. Yes, and uh, she does still bicker with Greg Kinnear all the time. Sure. So, like, yeah, they're back together. But it looks like their marriage is on the rocks, but that's just where they that's thrive. That's just what their energy is as a yeah. couple. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Now she really wants some grandchildren. Sure, okay. But they're not around yet because okay. her kids are just not in that space right now. Okay. So Abigail Breslin, she's now going to be sort of mid-twenties, I think. Yeah. So instead of uh, following the beauty pageant route, um, which I really didn't feel like she would, I thought she'd go sort of the 
kind of the opposite way. Okay. So she is now she has now become a feminist online influencer. Oh, interesting. Okay, like on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, so like a YouTuber, a feminist yeah. YouTuber. Okay. So I'm gonna say that she's got like a few million followers. Sure. She's not like the biggest, but like she's she's, she's up there. She's yeah. Definitely okay. a presence. Yeah. So yeah, that could be interesting. Paul Dano, well, he's still trying to follow his dream. He's not given up on it. Mm-hmm. Like it was a it was a big hit finding out that he was colorblind. Yeah. But he's not given up. He's still he's still finding a way. Don't know if we're going to revisit his uh, uh, vow of silence or not. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But maybe it's good. It's, sure. good. it's good comedy. Absolutely. Yeah. Or maybe he's. Oh, can you think of a new thing that he could do instead? Well, we'll see. I've got one for mine, but I don't want to like copy myself. Oh, um, okay, no, it's fine. Yeah, maybe it's like he keeps trying. Because I guess it's easy for a teenager to do a vow of silence because a teenager has no responsibilities. Hmm. So maybe it could be for yeah. that he's trying to do another vow of silence at the age of like 30, but life is just not making that easy for him. Like, you know, every, there's so much Job interviews like, don't go well. Job interviews, getting like phone calls, <clears throat> doing anything in his life. It just, you know, not having the power of speech is just making it very difficult for him. So that could be really funny. Yeah. Him yeah. trying to like navigate the world, the modern world without speaking and realizing it's just not possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say that he's just for comedic purposes, he still dresses and styles himself mostly the same. And, you know, as Paul Dan has got one of those faces, he still looks like kind of like a teenager. Oh, yeah. He's like what, pushing 40 now. He's 36. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, he was five years older than his character as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so we tried to get into all the militaries and like even NASA, but none of them will accept him because yeah. colorblind is colorblind. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's where everyone's at. Mm-hmm. So now it's going to open on Christmas morning. Okay. And they all unwrap their gifts. They're all together as a family for They're Christmas, all... I presume, yeah? Yes. Don't know if they all live together or anything. It sure. doesn't really matter. They're so all here Paul Dano and Abigail Preslin, they're both like single. They've not, because mm-hmm. you said Tony Collette wanted a grandchild. It's not happening. Yeah, and it, it not, does, doesn't look like it's close. No, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say that like, he's so engaged in trying to be a pilot. He's never really had time for love, yeah. Yeah, that's his thing. And like, she's, I guess, engaged in like her channel or whatever. And yeah. So yeah, Christmas morning, they all unwrap their gifts. Mm. Uh, they've done a secret Santa, so I'm not going to okay. describe every single gift. I'll just do like one the person gets. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So Abigail Breslin, she gets Steve Carell a book um, about how men can get in touch with their feminine side. Um, he clearly hates it. Okay. But uh, he does that very polite thing and like, oh, yeah, oh, it's just, oh, it's just what I wanted. Oh, is this because he's like into like real hardcore philosophy and it's just going to be like men are from Venus and women are from Mars? Kind sort of thing, just yeah. Like, pop psychology that he has no respect for yeah, yeah okay yeah. that's funny yeah, i like that yeah um tony collette gets abigail a pair of shoes sure um which causes a major argument about feminism and what these shoes actually mean are they, well they're like heels yeah sort of and thing abigail president's like i don't wear heels that's the yeah. patriarchy yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> um i just want this family to like still argue of all course the time. yeah 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 um, Greg Kinnear gets uh, gets Tony Collette a cookbook, mm-hmm. which turns both Tony and Abigail both onto him. Just like, well, why did you get her a cookbook? That's very demeaning. That, true, that is not great if you've got a feminist daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Dano, uh, he was supposed to get Greg Kinnear something, but he forgot. Makes sense. Yeah, so he didn't get anything. Now, now everybody's just kind of shouting at Paul Dano. Yeah. Um, but while they're all shouting, Steve Carell whispers into Paul Dano's ear that he should open a present from him, and it's, it's hands him an envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, and after opening it, Paul Dano gives Steve Carell a big hug that lasts for about 10 seconds. That's a long one. He's really... Because they're touched. Because okay. those two are close. They had a great relationship. I agree, yeah. yeah. So what's the gift? Are we allowed to say? Yes. So everyone's shouting sort of simmers down when they see that like there's a big emotional moment going on. Mm-hmm. So, but they don't even know what the present is, so they ask. And he tells them that that 
is a ticket to a flight school for the colorblind. Oh, that's a thing now. Okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Not like a military thing. Just for fun, but still. Yeah, because like, yeah. like he wants to fly. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he's, he, he's been on planes, but he's not actually flown he's never a plane. Been able to fly, yeah. Whereas this is going to be, it's going to be like a multi-week thing that will just teach him how to fly. And at the end of it, he will have a colorblind pilot's license. I don't know. I'm making Sure, this it's up. better than nothing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So then he'll be able to buy his own plane and fly that. Now, that's what I've got to. Uh-huh. Um, and I was thinking that basically from there, we could go to a road trip to just like this, uh, th- th- this, this flight school is in California again. Why not? Uh-huh. Um, and it's in a couple of weeks time. They need to drive there or something. Well, what if actually, yeah, I don't know how planes work. I mean, I don't know how gear shift works. So clearly. <laughs> well done. Let me know. <laughs> Come on, mansplain planes. Too. But, um, I would imagine in 2021, if not in 2005, mm. that there's some kind of accessibility happened where people who are colorblind might not be locked out of the profession entirely. You know, they could have like accessible. If it, I can only imagine it must be about the way planes are controlled, like the buttons, you know, like I, I, something like, fixable. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I, I can't I can't imagine it's that. Hmm. No, it would, it would have to be something like. I don't know, you can't define, you can't see, you can't see clouds or something. I don't know. Well, in my universe, it's been fixed anyway, okay. whatever. So he lets, or in your universe, sorry, this is still your sequel. Yeah. But I'm not to derail <laughs> it, but I was thinking instead of a road trip, maybe it's that Paul Dano passes his, or maybe, maybe fighter pilots can't not be colorblind, but commercial pilots can be. Okay. Maybe Steve Carell's gift to him is being like, look, you're never going to be able to fly in the army, but you can still be a pilot. Mm. Let's get you into flight school. Mm-hmm. And maybe what I'm thinking is maybe Paul Dano's maiden flight as a commercial, you know, just flying a little passenger jet, you know, mm-hmm. is flying his family across America. In like the only plane that they can afford. Which is going to be a cheap old banger, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all in a plane together and they're all having all the same kind of dramas and fights as the thing, first one. Mm-hmm. But it's Paul Dano driving rather than Greg Kinnear. Yeah. And instead of being in a bus, they're on a plane. So it's all kinds of different dramas, potentially. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, that could be really intense. That could be really fun. Maybe they get hijacked by um, <laughs> John Malkovich and Steve Buscemi, you know. Yeah. And, and get yeah. rescued by Nicolas Cage. I'm here for that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that could get really stressful if the plane plane starts breaking and stuff. Yeah. Like I can imagine people inside, like Greg Kinnear would have a full on, like, he would be the one to have a breakdown. Mm. Like suddenly he'd be scared of flying or something, you know. That like they'd hit some turbulence, and then Greg Kinnear would be like, "Oh my god, we're gonna crash! Everybody, we're crashing!" And yeah. Screaming and all that. But then Paul Dano's like, "No, no, no, we're not crashing. It's fine." But they just have to like, because Greg Kinnear's about to pull the hatch and jump out or something. So like they just have to like ditch it. Yeah, because Greg Kinnear's so like emotionally repressed and unable to express mm. his real feelings. Maybe he can't tell anyone that he's afraid of flying, so he gets on the plane all like bullish. Mm-hmm. But then when they're in the air, he has a complete meltdown when he finally admits that he's like mortally afraid of flying, and yet, like I said, he, he fully freaks out. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that, that's good. So what do you want to call it then? Little Miss Sunshine Two Flight School. Little Miss Airline. Little Miss Airline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like good. that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite happy with how that turned out. Mm. What have you got then? So I've also gone for like a 15 years later route. Mm-hmm. Mine's got a little bit of a depressing title because mm. it's going to focus on Olive and her continuing emotional problems based mm-hmm. on her terrible father. Yeah, uh, It's called Little Miss Broken. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Little Miss Broken, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not going to get too bleak. Yeah. But 15 years have passed and Olive is now in her like mid-early 20s, like 25, 26, mm-hmm. 24, 25, 26. 
And I'm thinking that she's actually not changed all that much in terms of the things she's interested in. And she's still very much into pageants. Mm -hmm. But now she's an adult. And so she's competing in adult pageants. But because I feel like pageants are a thing that are probably like you peak at the age of like 17 or something. Like you, mm -hmm. It's not something you're still doing in your like late 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking she has continued to try and do the pageant circuit like locally. Yeah. But it's never really taken off for her, but she keeps trying. So we're going to open with her at this pageant for Miss Al Miss Albuquerque, mm -hmm. you know, or Miss New Mexico head for mm -hmm. her state, whatever. And you see her coming in like fourth place or something. Yeah. And that's what her life has been for the past like 10 years. She's never won a pageant, mm -hmm. but she keeps entering and she always finishes like fifth, fourth, third, you know, mm -hmm. she's never quite gotten there. Yeah. But she's an adult. And so she's definitely like, you know, she's probably like really thin now and she's like very watchful of her figure and she doesn't eat anything that's, you know, not gonna you know she she watches her calories far too much all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so she's yeah. still really trying to be a little miss perfect a little miss sunshine mm -hmm. but it's just not quite worked for her and so she's quite depressed and because she's aging out of the pageant age mm. she doesn't really know what to do with herself but she's kind of in i think the idea is that she's kind of inherited greg Kinnear's kind of attitude of never accepting defeat so even though it's clearly not going to happen for her she just won't let it go mm -hmm. and she just keeps trying and keeps trying and she's kind of delusional about it but clearly she's not very happy just in herself so then we're going to cut again i think like an opening montage would be good to just see each character very briefly so we'll see her not winning a beauty pageant and we'll say mm -hmm. okay we know yeah. what her life is yeah yeah uh, i think richard and cheryl uh, greg Kinnear and tony collette they've definitely divorced in my version okay that marriage was doomed right he he's now sing, he's still single greg Kinnear, mm -hmm. and he's still chasing doomed business propositions and what's we, his latest thing his latest thing is a he's trying to flog a fitness brand for over 50s okay because he's like 58 at this point he's a bit yeah. older uh so I'm, I'm just thinking that could be like he's trying to like sell like a franchise for like you know fitness for over 50s mm -hmm. just because i think it'd be really funny to see greg canary and like skin tight lycra jogging around and like <laughs> not really into it probably smoking on the side and we give him like strongly dyed hair as well yeah that's what i mean he's gonna have like you know peroxide blonde hair yeah yeah he's not gonna be following his own routine he's gonna be out of shape and out of breath but he's mm -hmm. trying his best to like sell it and it's just gonna be yeah. really awkward and funny yeah yep. um yes that's his thing he's still trying and, and failing mm -hmm. cheryl tony collette she's still very centered very emotionally intelligent very you know the heart and soul of the family mm -hmm. but She's remarried to a guy who's even worse than Greg Kinnear. All right. Maybe like a, he's like a conservative politician, like someone really slimy and just unlikable. And okay. You got anybody in mind? Bob Odenkirk. Great. Because Great. Breaking Bad parodies abound in this film. Sure. So yeah, yeah. Just carry on. Yeah. So I was thinking Cheryl can be like one of those people who's like a smart woman who makes bad choices. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. she's smart, but she makes bad choices in men. Yeah. So she once again, she's married a guy who's not a nice guy. Who's a bit of a loser, a bit of a skis. Mm -hmm. Any kids or? No new ones, no. Just the two she already had. Just Paul Dano and Abigail Breslin. Yeah. Then we're going to look in on Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking he has written a best-selling novel, or maybe even a self-help book, <laughs> about right. coming back from the brink. You know, yeah, yeah. How he went from the America's number one Proust scholar mm -hmm. to being fired and <laughs> attempting suicide. And then he came back around again, and mm -hmm. he's back on top. So yeah. he's written a book about that, and it has become a genuine bestseller. It's been a huge hit. So mm -hmm. he's very successful. Greg Kinnear is furious because mm -hmm. Steve Carell has basically taken the thing he wanted to do and done it well and made it work. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's actually got the stuff to make it work. Yeah. So I think a lot of this film could be like the, the simmering resentments between Greg Kinnear and Steve Carell where mm -hmm. he just really, he's got no reason to hate him. He's not like, it's not like he's been stabbed in the back, but he just resents him so much. Yeah. That, that's just going to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dwayne, Paul Dano has had a complete personality transplant. 
Sure. Because, you know, sometimes people who like in their teenage years and then when they grow up, they become completely different personality types. And you're like, mm-hmm. how is that the same person? <laughs> and that's just kind of a running joke. Yeah. So I'm thinking Paul Dano character, he is now super upbeat and very chatty. Okay. He's incredibly chatty. Okay. Uh, and his, his job, he works as a personal trainer. Right. Because you know, that's one of those jobs where you have to always be like, come on, let's get those legs moving, people. Up in the... <laughs> Maybe he teaches like an OAP fitness class. So it's even more like, come on, ladies and gentlemen, let's do it. You know, yeah. he's so unbearably positive. Yeah. He's like terminally delightful. But how is he? Is he all right? Or is he like morbidly depressed? Well, that's the thing. It's probably masking some very deep depression, but that's his, yeah. his outward personality is very extroverted which is complete contrast to how he was in the original film mm-hmm. and also because paul dano as an actor does he talk all the time as well yeah that's it he never shuts up yeah but right. i think that'd be fun because <laughs> paul dano as an actor often plays these kind of very introverted characters mm-hmm. i'd love to see him playing this very extroverted like over the top almost camp kind of guy mm. so yeah but he does he also has a daughter probably from a marriage that didn't last i'm thinking he probably is single but at some point he had a relationship and he has a daughter now he's about the age olive was in the original film okay uh, for the purposes of this, I've called her Olivia just because I've got no imagination. Great. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Dano has a daughter who is Abigail Breslin's niece, mm-hmm. who's about Abigail Breslin's age from the original. She's like eight years old at this mm-hmm. point. And she's having some trouble in school. She's being bullied. She doesn't really fit in. She hasn't got any friends. Mm-hmm. And she is very introverted, this little girl. And so Paul Dano actually, he can't figure out a way to help her. So he asks his sister, Olive, to do something to try and bond with this little girl and try and maybe bring her out mm-hmm. of herself and make her a bit happier. Yeah. So I'm thinking Olive channeling her own, this being Abigail Breslin's character, channeling all of her own like insecurities and issues enters her eight year old niece into the little Miss Sunshine pageant in 2021. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing it full circle back to the original beauty pageant for little girls. Yeah. And at this point I was thinking we could transition the style of the film a little bit away from being like a quirky indie drama into like the mockumentary format. Mm-hmm. Like maybe oh, there's yeah. a mockumentary yeah. being filmed about Little Miss Sunshine. Maybe it's like a famous festival and these characters just happen to be entering it this year. So Abigail Braslin as like the stage mom or the stage mm-hmm. aunt in this case mm-hmm. and her little niece who is like a mini version of her who's probably not well suited to this world but yeah. is just trying to impress everyone. So yeah. history's repeating itself 100%. Mm-hmm. But the reason I wanted to make it a mockumentary is that I feel like this child pageant circuit thing is like prime pickings for like a Christopher Guest, Best in Show, Mighty mm, yeah, Wind yeah, yeah. style, you know, mockumentary. Yeah, I agree. And I want to bring in, the, I don't know why he's not done it. Maybe it's like too obvious. I don't know. But I really like the idea of bringing in the actors who are always in Christopher Guest movies as mm-hmm. supporting characters. Mm-hmm. So you could have like Jennifer Coolidge, you know, from... Um, American Pie. And from stuff. American Pie. Yeah, 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 you know who she is. Yeah, 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 yeah. American Pie, Promising Your Woman, uh, Best in Show. Jennifer Coolidge as like a washed up beauty queen. Mm-hmm. Like that is the role she was born to play. Absolutely. You yes. know, she's in the dress and the tiara. Yeah. Back in the day, she was like Miss America maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 30 years have passed. She's let herself go a bit. She's a bit deluded. Yeah. But she's now she's like the guest of honor as like this slightly like washed up beauty queen who's now like a judge for the Little Miss Sunshine pageant. She could just be her funniest self in that moment. Yeah. Like she'd be like really vapid, you know? Yeah. That's her. I feel like Catherine O'Hara could be like a crazed stage mom who never made it herself, but now as a little Mm -hmm. girl, she's like really pushing really hard. And Eugene Levy, I think, could be really funny as the MC. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I believe that. So that's going to be the meat of the movie, really. It's going to be them 
So it's going to follow Olive and her niece entering this pageant. And then we see all these other crazy characters who are like in this world as well. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be clear that Olive's little niece is not, isn't any more cut out for this world than Olive was. And at some point, Olive's going to realize that the pressure she's putting on is just a hangover from her own issues. Mm. And she's going to have kind of a bit of a breakthrough or breakdown and realize that all the things she's doing are just because of her, because of the bad relationship she has with her own dad, Greg mm-hmm. Kinnear. Yeah, yeah. And he's maybe he's maybe the whole family comes to the festival to the Little Miss Sunshine pageant to support their little granddaughter. Yeah. And Greg Kinnear's there. And at a certain point, I feel like Abigail Breslin has to have a little breakdown and kind of have it out with Greg Kinnear and be like, you're the reason that I have all these hangups and issues because you mm. always never made me feel like I was good enough. You always told me that only winners do well. And if I, I was, if I didn't win, I was a loser. And that's why I've spent 30 years trying to be a beauty queen just to impress you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it could be like an emotional moment and a whole breakthrough for her. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, by, but in doing that, she kind of breaks the cycle and uh, all of the bad habits that she's picked up from him, she deter- she decides she's not going to pass on to her niece, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like that, I don't know how exactly to end it, but I'm thinking just basically, obviously, they leave the BC pageant and, just, and realize that's not what's going to make them happy. Mm. Although maybe, maybe she has this whole decision where she's like, you know what? I don't need beauty pageants. I don't need to win a beauty pageant. I don't need my niece to win a beauty pageant to make me realize that I'm good enough for myself and for my family and I deserve love. And screw this. We're all going to leave right now. Olivia, let's go to her, her niece. Mm-hmm. But maybe at that moment, her niece wins the pageant. Yeah. Maybe the niece is actually really good yep. at beauty pageants. Mm-hmm. So she wins it. And then Abigail Breslin's like, what the fuck? Because she's like, she'd, she'd built up in her head that beauty pageants were a load of lies. Mm. And then her niece has effortlessly won the thing that she ne- she spent 30 years trying to win. And maybe that kind of just causes its own kind of, you know, hilarious, you know, yeah, drama. But that's basically where it ends. You know, I'm not going to go into a whole second plot, but yeah, no, that I... was basically where I was going with it. It was just like, yeah, mockumentary, bring in Catherine O'Hara and Jennifer Coolidge and Eugene Levy. It totally Make works. it all about how fucked up beauty pageants are. It absolutely fits. And then yeah. Olivia, and then, yeah, Abigail Breslin and Greg Kinnear reconnect and forgive each other for you know all the bad parenting well she forgives him for the bad parenting mm. and yeah that's pretty much where we end it yeah no i like it thank you and that was a uh, little miss broken little miss broken it is a very depressing title I know. <laughs> it is yeah i'm not sure we put many bums in seats but yeah so. we like to workshop that a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> great no, good so for our patreon call in this week mm-hmm. i asked our patrons to tell me if they could go on a road trip with one movie star mm-hmm who would it be and where would they go? Okay. Mm-hmm. So first up, we have Finn Ross Russell, deep friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to have him back on. Uh, Finn, take it away. Definitely going to go with Andy Samberg across Canada because Canada is way prettier than the US and Andy <laughs> Samberg is me as a film star. So that sounds like it would be a fun combination. So he wants to go on a road trip with himself, himself. to Canada. To Canada. Uh, you know what? I, I think that's half a great idea. It's halfway there. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, like, I don't think that going on a road trip with yourself would work out well. You'd, you'd probably just bicker. Yeah. Or you'd only agree. I've, yeah. And like you need the middle ground, don't you? You need a bit of middle ground. You need a bit of to and fro. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I can see, I can see it though. I can I, see I, why. I, Finn... I like I like the location. Yeah, right, but nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to go on a road trip with basically yourself. I think Finn's having some narcissism issues there. But thanks for calling in, Finn. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
cool. Now, apologies, John. I forgot to ask the question. I know. Oh, are these just general reactions to the film then? Uh, yeah, it's only Louise. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yes. So this one's from Louise, as she does always call in. Because for some reason, she always watches the films we do. Strange. Hi, Harry and John. I got a pitch for you for Little Miss Sunshine. Just want to say this was an absolutely amazing rewatch. I rewatched, I watched this as a kid with my, well, young adult, whatever, with my dad um, when it came out and we really enjoyed it. The scene where she does the, well, the, the dance slash striptease at the um, pageant, my dad cr like cried with laughter for like about half an hour. Like we always had to like stop the film because like he was, he just found it so funny. Um, and it brought back some very happy memories. So that was lovely. My sequel pitch would be that this set some years later when Olive is a teenager um, and she becomes obsessed with the world of drag queens. And I don't know, she fights with her mom to go on the road with a bunch of drag queens, something like that. Um, have fun with it. It'd be, you know, sort of like she'd be finding herself all over again sort of thing. So that's all I got. So thanks for picking this. See you soon. Bye. I like it. Interesting. I I think maybe instead, again, going on the whole Paul Dano, like having a complete personality transplant, mm -hmm. maybe he grows up, comes up the closet, is a drag queen. Yeah. Because that's a big journey from like drag queen to, you know, and maybe Abigail Breslin is the first person he tells because yeah. they're you know siblings and they're close. Yeah. I, again, I would like to see Paul, Paul Dano as a drag queen. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. me too. Again, it's against type character. And you know what? Drag queens make great characters on road trip movies. They do. I mean, two Wong Fu. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, Priscilla Queen does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. You can't. Yeah. No road trip movie is not made infinitely better by the inclusion of a drag queen. I agree. So thank you, Louise. Yeah. So they were our Patreon picks this week, or mm -hmm. our Patreon submissions. Mm -hmm. Shall we move on to our regular listener submissions? Better had. Cool. Okay. We have a few this week. Uh, Dennis Fanning said, Ms. Sunshine. The cast get older, but no wiser. So I guess <laughs> Ms. because she's not a little miss yeah, anymore. Yeah. Tom Brennan said, the sequel is all about Frank 15 years later. That's, Paul, that's Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. Now running a philosophy school. Okay. He said he's not sure where to go with that, but Steve Carell is the head teacher of a philosophy school. Sure. Could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Frank A. Smith said, Little Miss Moonshine, bootlegging edition. <laughs> so, you know, moonshine, like yeah, bootlegging. Yeah, yeah. Justine Weisinger said, I love it just the way it is, but if there has to be a sequel, I want to see Greg Kinnear taking Paul Dano back to the diner when he's grown up and using the long straw to drink his milkshake. There will be sunshine. <laughs> so that's based on, obviously, have you seen There Will Be Blood? Uh, oh, yes, I have, yeah. Have you seen that film? No, I'm getting mixed up. It's Paul Dano yeah, and no, Daniel Day-Lewis. It won lots of Oscars. Yeah, no, no. I've meant to watch it. I've yeah, I've... It. It's another one that's been, like, on my list for the podcast, but I'm also, like, I don't think there's a sequel in there. Like, I think <laughs> it'd be an interesting one to watch, but maybe it wouldn't be one to do. You'd watch, you should watch it at some point. Okay, it's well, very long, but it's interesting. Sure. Well, next time the cinemas give up and it's not Oscar season... Yeah, not, now's then, not the time. Yeah. You've got enough de long depressing... Oh, things. no, I mean, then do it on the bonus show. Sure, yeah, that could work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yes, I could see that little Miss uh, There Will Be Sunshine. Adam Kushner said, I'd like to see Abigail Breslin playing Olive again just to see how she turned out. Which, I mean, basically we both did in our own ways in our sequels, yeah, so yeah. sure. Over on Twitter, Mike Mike and Oscar at MM and Oscar said, Large Mr. Moonlight. That's all I've got, but I'm confident in it. Yeah. <laughs> so Little Miss, Large Mr. Oh, Sunlight yeah, Moonlight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Cinema Recall at Cinema underscore Recall said, I don't care if they all just sit around a table and talk for five hours. I'd pay to watch it and then go watch it again with commentary track by the actors because I love this film. I'd even watch it in black and white. So <laughs> super fan there, Mr. Cinema Recall. Mm-hmm. Crazy Martin 434 at Crazy Martin 434 said, the film should center on Olive and they're going to drive her to off to college pretty much tying a bow into the chapter of Olive and her relationship with her family. Mm-hmm. Every character has grown up and run their lifespan while this is Olive's chance to make her own future. Sure. So yeah, it, the road trip is taking Olive off to college. Yeah. So yeah, that could be a new misadventures could be afoot. I can mm-hmm. see that, yeah. And finally, Ginesso Jeff at Ginesso Jeff mm-hmm. said, Olive, Abigail Breslin, is a recluse and upset anytime anyone mentions the beauty contest. So I mm-hmm. guess it's like marked her life and she's never been able to recover from it. Right, yeah. Dwayne is married with kids and he's now a motivational speaker, just like his dad. Sure. The family hasn't been together since Olive left New Mexico to move to Seattle, mm-hmm. which is like literally the other side of America. Mm-hmm. But Greg Kinnear becomes ill. He's the new grandpa mm-hmm. and brings the family back together. And, you know, I guess shenanigans and healing ensues. Sure. So that could work. Like Greg Kinnear is now aged into being the Alan Arkin of the film. Mm-hmm. And I guess all the other characters come together to, yeah, to try and he- intervene or maybe to go to his funeral or something. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you very much, guys. Those were our sequel pictures for Little Miss Sunshine. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review on the app if you like. Mm-hmm. You can also support us on Patreon for as much or as little as you think we're worth. You'll get all the bonus features, including being part of our live call-ins, opportunity to choose the films that we do on a future episode, crossover opportunities, much, much more bonus episodes. You can find all the links in the description below or it'll be on the box set.com. Yeah. And next week, Harry, it is back over to you. Yeah. What have you got for me? All right, well, I've got two options. Okay. I've got a film that I'm pretty sure that we both like, that mm-hmm. we have seen. Um, it'll probably be a good time. Or we could turn this road trip into a season. Mm-hmm. Do a road trip season. Sure. Uh, it's your call. I'm all, have you got a road trip movie? I've, 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 I've got two. Okay. I'm game for trying new things. Okay. Let's do the road trip movie. Okay, sure. Um, if, if, if we're going to do a season and you, and you don't think you can pick an absolute winner, don't need to. We can just stop the season. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's that's where I feel like we've gone wrong on some seasons, like, you know, just committing we're to... Overcommitted, yeah. Yeah, doing four Will Smith films in a row. Well, we could just do another road trip movie and see where we feel after that. So sure. sure, yeah. Sure, okay. So next week, um, we are going to do Thurman Louise. Oh, interesting, okay. Good say choice. the ultimate road trip movie. Indeed, mo- I mean, have you seen it? Uh, quite a while ago, I think. You know how it ends? Yes. Okay, well... <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's the famous bit. I, I'm going to say, well, it's a challenge, but I'm, I'm up for that challenge if you yeah. are. Or if you want, we could watch um, uh, Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Traveling Through Neymar. No, I'm happy with Film and Louise. It's a classic. I mean, I'd like to do both, but no, Film and Louise is a classic. I'm sure. Wait, what, what do you think is going to be the funner film? I think they're both fun. Because, like I say, I've not seen Thumb and Louise for quite a while. I don't think Film and Louise is like super depressing. It's just the ending is pretty clear what happens. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I remember it not being a depressing end though. No, not, no, it's more like well, yeah, it's been on my long list for a while. Great. We, we will do Two Wong Fu at some point. Cool. But I'm, I'm happy to do... If you're happy to do Film and Louise, I'm happy to do Film and Louise. Yes. Then let's do Film and Louise. Yes. Great. Thank you very much, listeners. Thank you, Harry. And join us next week for Film and Louise. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
fuck a lot of women, kid. I have no reason to lie to you. Not one woman. A lot of them.